happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, we just wanted to give a special message just as this is being released on Thanksgiving in Canada, some things that we're thankful for. And I thought we could open with 1 Thessalonians 5:18, and it says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so I just wanna share a few things that I am personally thankful for today. Um, I'm very thankful for God's work in my life, um, salvation, which we were studying in our Ephesians uh, women's Bible study this morning, um, where God has rescued me from and the promises that I have uh, through Christ. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the journey that I've been on in the past three years since COVID hit and kind of uh, rattled my my world, my family's world. I'm I'm thankful for uh, how God has used that to um, to really reveal Himself in a new way to me. I'm very thankful for my my husband and how um, through through the trials that he has been through that um, he he has let god lead him and through that he is leading our family i'm thankful for for his sacrifices for our family um very thankful that my children are following the lord and um and trusting him and that their that their faith is growing and i'm thankful for all the people that are speaking into their lives and mentoring them uh, I'm, I'm very thankful for our church family. Um, <laughs> it's hard to put into words just how meaningful uh, it has been to be part of a, such a vibrant community in a time of need where um, really the hands and feet of Jesus are so evident and the love of God through others. It has been just beautiful to be able to um, to experience that and and hopefully to be able to to uh, show that as well to other people. Um, I'm thankful for God's word and just his faithfulness in our lives. Um, yeah, I could go on, but I'm going to pass the mic over to Susie. Yes, thanks, Sandy. And thank you for that verse. That The part that really stood out to me in that verse was that it's God's will for us to be thankful. Mm-hmm. And even in the difficult circumstances. And I love that because right now I'm personally going through a good season. Things are good in the church, in the home. Life is is really sweet. But we need to remember that even when life isn't sweet, we are called to be thankful. And there's some things that we can always be thankful for, and that is the grace and goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am personally just so thankful for how he has worked in my life, that I am not who I used to be, and how he's continuing to work in me. And just knowing that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. I can be confident that I will be a different woman in five years because God is continuing to work in my life. And that's pretty cool. And even just thinking back over the last um, several uh, years, particularly uh, just thinking about the fact that our church just celebrated 22 mm-hmm. years of of ministry and how he has used this church to impact me and how he has used this church to save each of my children and each of my children who are now all adults between 18 and 25 are following the Lord. They love the Lord. They're involved in ministry. And 
I'm just so thankful for how God has used the teaching of this church, but also the many men and women who have invested in my kids, some very intentionally, others by just being godly and wise men and women. And my kids have been impacted by that. Sometimes when uh, maybe they've made up for the weaknesses of my husband and I, where we we didn't do everything right. Maybe others came in and um, fulfilled some of that. Or times when my husband and I may have taught and modeled certain things, but it was affirmed by other believers. And sometimes during certain seasons, it's easier to hear it from another older mentor rather than just from mom and dad. And so I'm just so thankful for how God has used this church. I'm thankful for my husband who has led this church with wisdom and integrity, with boldness and courage. And I've seen my husband grow in tremendous ways over the last 22 years. And so I'm thankful for all that God has done and how he uses my husband uh, to lead well, to uh, be courageous and particularly over the last three years, as Sandy already mentioned, just seeing him lead with courage during the crazy COVID years, right? It was a hard time and it was hard on all of us, but he remained firm in his convictions and he stood firm on the sovereignty of God and he uh, bowed to no other. He bowed to the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. And so I'm just so thankful that I have a husband who who leads his church that way, but also who leads his family that way. And I know that myself and our children have benefited greatly from that. And so that's uh, a few of the things that I'm thankful for. And of course, I'm very, very thankful for the last nine months of being a grandma. I have a nine-month-old grandson and a four-month-old granddaughter, and they really are the delight um, to our home. They are just so wonderful. We love them so much. And I'm so thankful that God blessed our children with their own children now, right? So yeah, a few things that I thought I would mention. And I just encourage all of you to take some time, no matter what season you're in, to think about some things that you are thankful for and to enjoy this Thanksgiving, whether you're going through good times or bad times, praise God for who he is and what he's done in your life and uh, fill your heart with gratitude because that is God's will for you. Happy Thanksgiving. Hi, and welcome to the Unveiled Podcast, where we discuss all things related to women to help us think Christianly in every area of life. I'm here with Susie, and my name is Sandy, and we both have a desire to bring biblical reform to womanhood. I'm trained in education and music, and Susie has a passion for women's ministry, theology, and biblical counseling. We've been looking at Proverbs, at the Proverbs 31 woman, verse by verse, and today we're going to focus on verse 28 and 29. And it says, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. And as I was preparing for this and thinking about this verse specifically, um, I think how easy it is for us to go out um, to church, to the store, wherever we maybe to work, and um, to come across as... Um, wonderful people, you know, we can we can get along well with other people, um, you know, have a good front. But this verse is very telling because um, it's her children and her husband who know her best. 
and they are blessing her. And just recently, my husband went away on a business trip and he ended up staying at a bed and breakfast. And the host was having a bonfire that night. And my husband, it's one of his favorite things, is to be out outdoors um, under an open sky with a beautiful bonfire. So he was looking forward to doing that. And um, he went out to the bonfire and there was another man there and they started chatting and having a nice conversation. And then this man's son came out, older teenager, and he started roasting marshmallows and um, it was a good time. And then the wife came out and immediately um, she started nitpicking at her son and how he was too close to the fire or, you know, being dangerous or, you know, thing after thing to the point where he got up and he handed the roasting stick to his dad and kind of shrugged and walked off very dejected and my husband stayed around a little bit longer but this conversation kind of got um, overrun by the wife she was interrupting her husband almost every sentence and my husband finally got really annoyed and he ended up just going in and um, it just really was a, a, a very good reminder that as women, as wives, as mothers, we have a great ability to set the tone within our families, the day-to-day environment. Um, and it, it just really was very clear. And we see that in this verse, for her family to honor her and praise her in this way, it is extraordinary. So Susie, for women who are listening, who want to have this said about them by their husbands, by their children, by those who know them the best, how can we cultivate this sort of legacy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, good question. And I just want to say as well about the story that you told, uh, I think it's so easy for us to be able to see in other people when mm. they've deflated their children or their husband mm. and I think maybe we need to be more aware of that in our own lives. Mm. Watch our kids' facial expressions or our husband's facial expressions. And when we've deflated them, let's be willing to change course Mm -hmm. and do things differently and step back and change our ways, right? But this idea, uh, even the way you you said this question, uh, when you said uh, for the women who are listening who want this said about them by their husbands and children, I think, first of all, we need to remind ourselves that we shouldn't first and foremost want that uh, to be said of us by our husbands and our children, but ultimately we want that for the glory of God, and we want to be able to finish our lives and be able to face our Savior Mm -hmm. and have him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And any legacy that we leave, ultimately it is for the the glory of God, the goodness of God. It's not so that people can praise us and say how great we have been. But if we have been faithful, it is appropriate for our husbands and our children to give us praise, right? Mm -hmm. And I do think that leaving a strong legacy is on the mind of a lot of parents. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking it's probably also the root of many of our fears as new moms, right? Last year, I had designed a curriculum for first-time moms, and it's designed to be done in a group context. Our women's ministry is is just starting their second group using this curriculum. And the very first week, we talk about 
the fears that moms face because I remember very specifically some of the fears that I had. And I know it can be huge in the lives of, of moms as they're first beginning to figure out what it actually means to be a mom and the time that it takes to invest in our children. And as I look back, many of my fears were were rooted in wanting Mm -hmm. to leave a strong legacy, right? I wanted to give my child uh, the right amount of physical and the right amount of spiritual nurture. I wanted to be able to equip them to grow into mature Christians. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of vulnerability in this, and I didn't want to discipline too strongly, but I didn't want to not discipline at all. Uh... I know that one word to a child, if it's spoken in the wrong way, can shape a child for a long time until the gospel comes in and reshapes them. And I didn't want to be respo- responsible for that, right? It's it's um, it's it's quite a responsibility to suddenly realize, like, I am responsible to disciple this child. And, and sometimes we maybe take a little bit too much ownership there, and we think we are a little bit too powerful. Yes, we are called to be faithful, but in the end, we have to recognize that it's God who's going to grab a hold of their hearts and actually save them. Um, But we do want to be faithful with that. And so these are good questions to ask ourselves. And so what I decided to do to prepare for this is uh, ask my kids. And I asked them a question about the things that I had done well and things that I could have done differently. I, at this point in my life. I have five children. They're all adults between the ages of 18 and 25. And in all honesty, they they actually do a very good job at honoring me. And so I don't take credit for that, but they actually do this verse well. So good for them. And in all honesty, I should probably give a shout out to my husband because my husband does this well. He's, He's good at verbally honoring me. And I think the kids have learned that. So I I'm I am blessed. I will um, acknowledge that, but at the same time, I do know that I haven't done things perfectly. There's things that I should have done differently, and even some of it is partly I'm a flawed person. I am a sinful person, and in my sin nature comes out uh, in times of treasure, or not treasure, pressure, mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Uh, Having children can be some pressure, right? So I, I'm fully aware of uh, the fact that I didn't do everything perfectly, even though my kids are now very good at honoring me. But I think we can learn from both strengths and weaknesses, both positives and negatives. And so I'm willing to share with you a little bit about what they said to me. And uh, it was my oldest daughter and my oldest son that actually responded mm. and I didn't follow up with my other kids so uh you can ask them yourselves if you, <laughs> you run into them feel free but what my oldest daughter said is she says you are a 10 out of 10 mama Aww, which of beautiful. course I know I wasn't perfect but that was sweet of her to say that and I know she's thinking through a lot of things herself because she has a nine-month-old baby and so she's recognizing mm. uh all the things you go through as a mom But here's the things that she said that I I did well. She says, talking through sins and struggles from a young age into adulthood, you took time to talk through the sin issue if I disobeyed or disrespected you or my siblings as a kid. When I became a teenager and an adult, you became more like a mentor. You helped me sort through struggles in life and gave me godly perspective. You prayed with me when times became hard. You have a... uh, you were a great person to have discussions with and have a good balance between being a parent, mentor, and friend. If you wronged me, you apologized, and that was really admirable. 
I've benefited from your discussions from childhood to adulthood. She also said, you are a good example as a wife to me. You didn't talk about dad negatively ever, and you Mm -hmm. made it obvious that you valued being a homemaker and a mom at home. Mm -hmm. Femininity and roles were always a positive thing growing up. You didn't complain about all the things you needed to do at home. You serve the home joyfully, and that is something I've especially been learning recently. she, this is kind of a funny comment. So she says, you always asked Abby and me to help mm. cook or clean more than you did the boys. And although I didn't understand at the time, it was a good thing to lay out these roles. The boys mm. did the dirty work outside primarily and the girls helped in the home. Seeing you be a joyful wife in the home helped me to view that as a good thing and want to do the same. Mm. And then she also says... Church was number one. I grew up being at both services, going to youth group, being a ministry partner, and serving at a young age. Church was always a priority at home. Being at the church so often helped me to learn that church is truly a family. Mm. A church family serves together, goes to events together, worship and pray together. Now all your kids have become leaders in the church as a young at a young age, and I think that's because we were always surrounded by older Christian men and women. We were always learning and growing by the church's influence. And I just want to pause there for a moment. I'm just so grateful for our church family and the many people who have influenced my kids. And you, Sandy, you yourself have had an influence because my kids are all musical and they're part of the worship team. Mm-hmm. I'm not, right? <laughs> but Sandy, you've been... Oh. You were the first person on our worship team, right? You've been there from the beginning. And so you have personally been a huge influence on my kids' lives. And they often speak well of you, Sandy. So thank you. And just a reminder for us as parents that it's not all all on us. Mm. And it also reminded me of that this statement doesn't need to be true that, you know, you know, pastor's kids and Mm. how pastor's kids Mm -hmm. turn out almost as if, it's a negative thing to be involved in the church. Evidently, my kids were blessed by that, right? Yeah. So my lovely daughter continues, and she says, there are more things. I don't know if you want an explanation, but here are some other positive points. She says, you protected us from evil at a young age. Sleepovers were only allowed at certain people's houses, and no iPhones or iPods until we were in high school. The family computer was in the kitchen. Certain shows were banned as kids going to a Christian school for elementary, all those things protected me from abuse or being exposed to evil online at a young age. You are good at being overly cautious at a young age so that when we got older, we had the understanding to continue being cautious as we had more freedom. As a mom, I am so thankful for this comment because um, in I was definitely not a helicopter mom, but there were certain things that I probably... Uh, I could get really hyped up about and my kids will still laugh at the fact that I didn't allow them to watch um oh what's that show um oh there's this show I can't remember right now but my kids I wouldn't let them watch it because I'm like the brother and sister always argue Mm. I know it's easy enough for you guys to argue I don't need it yeah, I don't have need to you hear it. Yeah. Modeled on TV, <laughs> right? But I think uh, they benefited from those things where in some ways maybe there was times I was overly cautious. Yeah. But it was it was evidently good. And mm. then she also says we learned to cook and bake at a young age and I have those skills mm. to do that now. And then she also said modesty was emphasized. I didn't feel the need to want to rebel in that area because I knew my body was not meant to be shown off. At home, apparel is different than out of the house. 
and bikinis are just like bras and underwear, LOL. <laughs> so I must have said that it a few like times. You, yeah. <laughs> so those are things that she benefited from. But she also did say uh, a couple of things that I could have done differently. And I'm thankful for that as much as I don't like to hear mm-hmm. my failures or how some of my things actually influenced her in a negative way. It's helpful for me to know now so that uh, I can share with you. And I'm willing to share my failures because if you can learn from me, then uh, I can maybe help prevent other moms from doing the same thing. So one of the things she said, and I don't think this is necessarily the case for all my kids, but she was very much impacted by certain things. And so she says, uh, in regards to conflict and discipline, she said, when we were, when we disobeyed at a young age, you would say, wait until dad gets home or something like Mm -hmm. that. And she says, I think that made me view dad as a bad guy or someone to be afraid of. I think something that could have been done instead was to discipline on the spot and then privately tell dad later if needed, knowing that you were going to tell him and waiting for him to come home made it hard not to be afraid of him. And so it's interesting. I'm like, don't all moms say that? <laughs> but for my poor daughter, yeah. that instilled a an unnecessary fear. And on the one hand, it's good for kids to grow up and, and know, hey, like, don't mess with dad. Mm-hmm. And um, it's okay for dads to have a different level of respect and authority there than than moms do. Certainly, we need to be aware that if we're just passing off the discipline to our husbands, um, whether it be because we don't feel equipped or whether we feel like I'm just exhausted and tired of doing this all day, so I'll let him deal with it, Mm -hmm. or um, maybe it's fear. We don't want them to be upset with us, so we'll let them be upset with dad. Whatever Mm -hmm. the case might be, we as moms do need to be careful about that and how things like that that we think are normal could actually be unnecessarily influencing our kids in a negative way. So mm-hmm. I think that's valuable. And if you're a mom that says things like that, maybe think through that. And if it's actually being effective or actually causing more more um, damage than good. And then puberty. I was late to the game. I didn't talk to her enough about some of the changes that would be happening and working through all those mm-hmm. things. And... It's interesting because I think even in the four and a half years that are different between my oldest and my youngest, I talked a lot more to my youngest daughter about these things. And part of that could have been her personality as well. But yeah, I I know I was more shy and more hesitant to talk about sexuality and the changes uh, in the beginning and trying to figure Mm -hmm. that out. So I just encourage you, if you are a mom, Uh, as uncomfortable as it might be, or you might think, well, I don't know if my daughter is even ready to have that conversation yet. It is important to have conversations and prepare them in advance to the changes they'll be going through in puberty um, than than you might think, because some girls hit it a lot younger than Mm -hmm. other girls do. And I did. And I shouldn't, of all people, I should have known better. I had my period just before I went into so grade five or grade six, I can't remember now, but I had it really young and and other girls didn't have it yet. And I felt Mm -hmm. very awkward and uncomfortable about a lot of the changes that were happening to me. And so I should have been more on the ball with that. And um, so learn from me, 
do things differently. Yeah, I'm yeah. willing Before to, you to think say that. Ready right? for it. Yeah. And then uh, my oldest son also uh, said some. Uh, he gave me a, a brief little uh, word as well. He said, "As a mom, you excelled and still do at modeling what it looks like to pray for your children. I knew you prayed for us constantly growing up, and I still do because you let me know and send scripture-based encouragements to me pretty regularly." There has never been a time in my life where I needed to wonder if anyone was praying for me because I know you always have. And uh, and then this is his response. He says, I honestly cannot think of anything I would have wanted you to do differently. I know you're not a perfect person, but I think that overall your motherhood was genuinely exemplary. Mm. Surely you have made mistakes here and there, but there is nothing overall that I wish would have been different. And so, like I said, my kids are good at honoring me. They... They're very gracious kids, really. But I thought I'd break down my key takeaways from this to make it maybe a little more practical for anyone that's listening. So I've got a list of 15 things here. So if you've got a pen and paper, go ahead and write mm, them down. Susie list. Uh, it's my Susie <laughs> list. Uh, so number one, and these are the things I came up from what my kids responded, but I just wanted to break it down in a, in a clear, concise way. So have Christ-centered conversations with your kids. Number two, talk through sin, not just against sin. Number three, teach kids to do chores at home. Number four, have a joyful attitude about your role in the home. Number five, don't speak negatively about your husband in front of your kids. Uh, Choose number six, choose or church is a priority and gives other mature believers an opportunity to disciple your kids too. They often affirm your strengths and maybe even make up for your weaknesses. Number seven, protect your kids from evil. Number eight, have clear boundaries about sleepovers, phones, and computers. Number nine, be more careful when they are young so that you can give them more freedom as they get older. And then obviously that's if they have actually responded responsibly, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. If they've earned your trust. Number 10, teach homemaking skills. Um, number 11, teach and expect and model modesty. Mm. Number 12, discipline on the spot. Don't wait for dad. Number 13, be open about sexuality and bodily changes. Number 14, pray for and with your kids. Let them know and then send them scripture. And uh, number 15, I was just going to, I was going to say, sometimes we just need to loosen up and have fun yeah. too. And I'll give it a little story. And I think you have some things to say too, Sandy. But I was thinking back to my oldest son and there was a time in one of his grades, I can't remember which one it was, it might have been for Mother's Day, uh, but his teacher asked him to write down what he liked about his mom or something he liked doing with his mom. And he said, I like it when my mom rollerblades with me. And I'm like, why did you write that? I, I never rollerblade with you. <laughs> and he said, well, I wish that you did. Oh. And, <laughs> and I was just like horrified. I'm like, I need to spend more time having fun with my kids. Right. And I know so often we can get caught up in, mm. in, doing all the right things and trying to get everything in order. That as moms, sometimes we forget to loosen up and just have some fun. Yeah. So if that's where you've been lately, I would just encourage us as moms to loosen up and have yeah. some fun. Oh my, it's it's too funny. Yeah, I love that your kids gave you these beautiful lists and responses and, and very detailed and that's wonderful. I actually asked my kids last night, 
the same question, like, okay, what kind of legacy, what have I done well? And what, what could I improve on? And my kids are between the ages of nine and 13. So we're in a different phase, right? We're still in that parenting, that um, very direct parenting. But uh, yeah, my youngest, (laughs) he said, I'm good at teaching. I'm also his his classroom teacher. So that was, that was a nice compliment, <laughs> but I'm bad at fun adventures. <laughs> so, so there you have it. Us moms need to go. learn to have fun adventures. <laughs> yeah. We did just go to Cedar Point and I did go on all the crazy rides with him, but, but that's okay. Maybe we just need to do that again soon. <laughs> so in his mind, it wasn't enough. Actually, the list that I got back from them, very, like very short, but my two older boys surprised me because they both said that I disciplined them well. And they, yeah. And one just came off like a a longer, a longer discipline um, of losing screens. So he just, he just earned that back yesterday. But yeah, he said, yeah, I, I do well with discipline. And then my teenage son said that I am bad at giving him sleep. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) he needs more sleep, but um, maybe he just needs to go to bed early. (laughs) Yeah, but I thought that was a good exercise, actually, asking your, your children what they would like to see more of you doing for them. And, and my daughter would like to spend more one-on-one time, so mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make time for her and, and do that more. So, yeah, that was a good, it was a good exercise, actually. Mm-hmm. So what encouragement can you give to those women who feel as though they have dropped the ball on this? So maybe there are newer believers who haven't lived a selfless life, and maybe they've failed in their marriage and feel like it's too late. Maybe some women feel as though they have failed to be godly mothers for their children, or some encouragement for the women whose children are not following the Lord. Mm. Yeah, good questions. Actually, this came up in our small group this morning in our Bible study, Mm. and I think that's it's, those are good questions because the reality is we are very aware of our own weaknesses. Sometimes we have blind spots, and that's why it's good to ask our kids along the way how we're doing. But the enemy, who is Satan, loves to drag us back to our failures mm-hmm. and to condemn us and to make us feel like we are the ones that are ultimately and primary to blame mm-hmm. Um, And blame is a little bit different than responsibility, but to blame for our kids and how they've grown up or or what they do. And yeah, we want to take our responsibility seriously, but we have to remind ourselves that we are not God and our kids cannot blame us if they are living in rebellion and sin. Ultimately, they have to give an account to God themselves, right? And we do not have the power to save our kids. But we do have to be honest with our failings and as necessary, ask for forgiveness first to God and if applicable to our kids too, right? Mm -hmm. And be willing to do that. And then if we've failed, we we start fresh. We remind ourselves that his mercies are new every morning. And then we have to keep our eyes on Christ and keep growing in him. And we, we do it for his glory, not just so that we can win favor with our kids or with our, our husband. Maybe that's not going to change ever or for a very long time, but we change and we start fresh and we do things right to honor him. 
And uh, if we're doing it just so that we can have a good relationship with our kids, we're going to be very disappointed sometimes. And they might take a lot longer. They might not actually even be willing to forgive us yet. But we live a holy life anyways from here forward regardless. And uh, keep your eyes on on Christ and Mm -hmm. let him do the work that is necessary in you. And I think uh, even as I was reading the things that my kids had said to me and even recently hearing them talk about their dad, I thought, wow, mm-hmm. uh, I think my, my kids are also gracious and they've chosen to overlook some of our failures because they understand the gospel. Mm-hmm. They understand that you know, who we once were, we've changed a lot. We've mm-hmm. grown. We've, we, they've seen their parents mature in Christ mm-hmm. and they've been blessed by that. And that should encourage them in their own lives. And so, uh, yes, when you first had kids, you probably aren't the same person as who you are five years, 10 years, mm-hmm. 20 years later. And so, yeah, t- Uh, you know, who you are now, looking back, you might say, I wish I would have known what I do now 20 years ago, but you didn't. Mm -hmm. And you have to trust that God is still at work and he is still um, working in your kids' lives. Mm -hmm. And learn what God needs from you now. How is God working in your life now? And be that person. So we need to continue to be teachable women, whether our kids are just born, whether they're five years old or 20 years old or 30 years old, let's continue to be teachable and allow God to work in our lives. Each season, really, we have to figure out, okay, how do I parent my child now? Like, what does my parenting look like when I, they are newborns? What does it look like when they're toddlers, when they're um, school age, when they're adults? It, it changes. So we continue to have to be teachable and figure out what our parenting needs to look like at that time. And so I'd encourage you as well to ask your kids how you did and how you could do things differently, just like Sandy and I did. And then be willing to accept what they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't just get defensive. Certainly, we have to be realistic, just like with any kind of criticism that we get. Yeah. We have to say, okay, is there actually truth to this or is this just a selfish desire in their mm-hmm. own lives, right? Mm-hmm. But we do want to consider it because they're telling us for a reason. So there's a a reason to why they say that, right? And so let's consider what they're saying and not get so defensive like we as women sometimes can. Let's accept it and let's listen to them and and then offer them love and um, just affirmation and appreciation for being willing to be actually courageous enough to say it. And the other thing I just also wanted to add that if you have failed up until now, uh, you're probably also being a little harder on yourself than necessary. I think sometimes we beat ourselves up more than we need to. But let's also not go the other extreme and minimize it either. Um, So start fresh and just continue to grow in Christ. Be a faithful servant to him, like I already mentioned earlier. At the end, ultimately, we're not doing it so that we can have a good relationship with our kids and our kids can tell everybody what a great mom they Mm -hmm. have or at our funeral that we can have our praises wrong. No, we want to be able to stand before God and hear, well done, good and faithful Mm -hmm. servant. And he will say that to us if we are born again, if we have trusted in Christ as our Savior and have continued to walk faithfully and grow in him, not perfectly, but Mm -hmm. faithfully. Hmm. In your experience in counseling and in church ministry, what 
are some ways that women sabotage their relationship with their own family. Right. And so, uh, sadly, I have quite a list here. Mm. But I just want to say before I even start talking about some of these things that if you have done one or more of these things, you don't have to feel doomed for eternity. Mm-hmm. Once again, these things are not meant to condemn you, but to, first of all, let you know you're probably not alone. You're not the only woman who has done right. these things. And uh, if you are now following Christ in, in being submissive to him, God is at work and he can redeem your past failures. Or if you're currently doing this, that God can convict you and change you. It's never too late to change. So please don't view this as a judgmental list. But this list is meant if there's any blind spots in your life to help you to continue to grow and to to, to renew your um, uh, relationship with the Lord, your mind in Christ, mm-hmm. and and hopefully maybe help you to understand why maybe there is a disconnect in your family and what you can do differently. Mm-hmm. So one thing I've seen uh, quite a bit is sexual infidelity. And um, it's not just men that are sexually unfaithful to their wives. Many women have also been sexually unfaithful. And just know that when you have done that, you aren't just betraying your husband, you are also betraying your children. And so you might need to also repent to them if that is your history and be gracious with them as they are learning to trust you as as well. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time for them mm-hmm. to trust you again. And that's one of the consequences that shouldn't, once again, put us back in a place of despair, but let's be gracious with them and work with them and and ultimately renew our minds and our behaviors in Christ mm. for his glory. Another way is um, being distracted by our phones. That's a huge thing these days mm. by our career or even work in the home, right? Being so busy working and doing things, we're distracted. Uh, another thing is being manipulative by feeling sorry for ourselves Uh, Sometimes moms can, you know, in front of their kids say, oh, I'm such a bad mom. And the reason we say that is not because we're apologetic, but because we want affirmation, Mm -hmm. right? That's being manipulative. Um, And then if they're going through a hard time, making it all about your failure rather than their hurt, Mm. right? So if they've Mm. been hurt by something you did, oh, woe is me. I'm such a bad mom. Like, I can't believe Mm -hmm. I did that. That totally takes away ownership and the fact that your child just told you that they've been hurt, all of a sudden it becomes all about you. So those are manipulative tactics that I think sometimes we can, um, you know, get into without even realizing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So let's be careful on that. Another would be not modeling or enforcing morality in their homes. Uh, We shy away from being legalistic. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't value morality. We have to be careful on that. And then another thing would be dominating or belittling their husbands. And then also their adult or almost adult sons. We have to be very careful about that. Mm-hmm. That's going to affect your kids in a, in a negative way. Uh, kind of along the same lines, but different would be babying our sons. Uh, sometimes we don't like our husbands having a strong hand and being 
strong leaders. And so we overly baby our sons and we force them to be or train them to be codependent on us. And mm. um, we want to hold on to our, our little boys and yeah. we want them to be cute and yeah. to be um, have long fluffy hair so that you know, they're almost a little more like girls than they are boys. And so that they need you. So they yeah. need, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it's time to let them go yeah. and to raise them to be adults and to affirm their adulthood, right? Mm-hmm. And um, along that is belittling other men in, in our lives, either through our words or our attitudes. Kids pick up on that. So we have to be careful about that. I was recently listening to a podcast that was featuring Owen Strachan. And uh, a few of the things that he said is he says, train your boys uh, to be husbands, to be fathers, to be leaders, protectors, and providers. They need to be trained to be sacrificial, to work hard. And then, uh, and we as wives, we should do that too. It's not just the husbands that do that. We influence our boys. Mm -hmm. And then also in in a society where it's common for both men and women to work, we need to make sure that our boys, we are raising them to be prepared to provide. Because the reality is when uh, couples get married and they're used to both incomes, I think a lot of men, maybe, well, I don't know if a lot, but some men might have the, the temptation to be able to uh, appreciate and depend on their wife's income a little bit too much, so much so that they aren't actually even willing to be the main breadwinners of the home. And they might even feel sorry for themselves mm-hmm. if it's all on them. They're not willing to take that leadership. And I think we have to be careful about that, um, certainly as we often talk to women that whether we're working in the home or out the home, we have to be hardworking women. Mm-hmm. But right now I just want to talk about how we raise our boys. Raise your boys to be leaders and protectors and providers. And don't teach them by either your attitude or your words that that is somehow something to be pitied. No, men mm. should be uh, trained to provide. And it should be an honor for them to provide and protect their families And maybe the best thing that we can do as moms in the home is to honor their dads who work hard, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of complaining about what our husband doesn't do, maybe we need to get better at honoring their dads so that our boys who are watching us see, wow, when dad goes to work and he brings home money, mom appreciates that. And Mm -hmm. she is willing to be responsible with the money. She's not wasting money. She's not complaining that she doesn't have enough. No, she honors dad and she thanks dad for the work that he does when he goes and earns money. And she thanks dad for the work that he does around the home. She doesn't just always complain about him. I think that goes a long, long way. And along with that, don't pity the man. I kind of already said this, but don't pity the man who works hard to provide for his wife and kids. Mm-hmm. Honor him, mm-hmm. right? Let's yeah. let's view this as a good thing. Let's change society and once again say, no, this is a good thing when men go to work and mm-hmm. earn money. Let's not just focus on, well, dad's never home and he's not available to come to this and he's not a- available to do this. You know, maybe there's times when men need to be talked to about being workaholics, But hey, men do need to go to work and provide for their families. So let's not make this a bad thing. Uh, So along with that, we need to reject the mainstream uh, that promotes men as idiots. Hmm. 
as just being goofy and immature boys who never grow up, right? Like almost every TV show or movie you're going to watch promotes this ideology. And we can reinforce that by the way that we talk about men. So let's affirm that it is good to be a man, that men are leaders and influencers and honor the men that do this. And sadly, we we have a nation that's in crisis. And the things that I might have said, they make sense to me, but maybe some of the women that are listening are thinking, whoa, like, is Mm. this like patriarchy? What's going on here, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's just face it, our nation is in crisis. And it's no wonder that we are going through some of the things that we're going through. I I believe that uh, we are being judged for mm. permitting so much evil, mm-hmm. all this gender ideology, and we're allowing for bodily mutilation. And just recently, I heard of a mom who forced her teenage daughter to get an abortion. And her brother's response was to laugh about it and oh. and to say, well, yeah, I've I've also forced my girlfriend to have an abortion. This is this is what we're raising yeah. boys to be like. Yeah. Instead of protecting life, we're teaching them that no, like we can force people to have an abortion mm. and then this is funny, we can mm. laugh about this. That is not what manhood is about. Mm -mm. Let's raise men to speak up. The common phrase amongst abortion activists is, you know, to tell men that they have no right to say anything because it's not their body. They don't have a uterus and so they need to stay quiet. That is so false and so evil. No, men are to protect and to provide. And as much as I don't endorse sex outside of marriage or endorse having children outside of marriage if it happens let's take on the responsibility to raise these children and to love them and not to uh, love our own careers or our own education more than the responsibility of raising children and so it's all too common for women who get pregnant outside of marriage and if they're in college or in university to think that it's okay to kill their baby because the baby would interfere with their education. We have diminished life and the value of life and we have raised education to be at such a high bar that girls and boys are are willing to say, yeah, we can just kill our baby mm-hmm. because we don't want them to interfere with our mm-hmm. education, with our career. Mm-hmm. We live in a sick world. Yeah. And so we have to speak strongly into these issues. We have to raise men to be men and and women to be women. Men to love the role of manhood and providing and protecting. And women to love the role of being at home and being feminine and raising children. Those are good things for those who are able to do that. And so as moms... We need to be in God's word so that we are more influenced by God and his people than we are by the ideologies that are so false and so damaging in our world. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. In God's word and and talking about it mm-hmm. at home too mm-hmm. and, and preparing our children for what they're going to have to battle, right? So, yeah, wow. As grown women... How can we and how should we honor the mothers 
in our lives, both the believing mothers and the unbelieving mothers? Great question, because we already talked about how our kids honored us and also mm-hmm. shared a few things that we could have done differently. And it feels great to, to be honored, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. It really does. And yet maybe sometimes we think about that more than we think about how can I honor my mom? Mm-hmm. And I think the older we get, the more we're aware of the strengths and weaknesses of our own parents. And sometimes we focus on their failures and we judge them and we blame them and we're disappointed in them and if we have reason to be disappointed you know what let's not deny that but let's take that take that to God and just entrust God to heal us from any of the damage that's been done and then as we are able to let's choose to honor what they have done And that means we need to be gracious on their failure, not to minimize it, not to ignore it. If necessary, we need to confront them on it. But let's not just focus on their failures. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we need to, like, just simple things, like be intentional about calling them, even if they don't initiate calls with you, right? How many adults, whether it's men or women, don't have that complaint? Like, I wish my mom or my dad would call me more. And yeah, as much as it should be on the parent's, you're an adult now too. Yep. Take the initiative, Let's right? Do it. Yep. Love them, and mm-hmm. um, hopefully, your example that will then be an example to your kids that when they get older, they will take more initiative, right? Mm. But even if they don't, ultimately. Let's be obedient to God's word and honor those who have taken care of us. And I think we need to tell them uh, what we need. Don't just assume that they know. Recently, I was chatting with a, a woman who, who's gone through some grief in her life, and her family is silent about it. Mm. They show up and uh, they have family gatherings. They get together. But this woman just wishes someone in her family would ask her how she's doing, and they don't. And as sad as that is, I, I do grieve with that that woman who is going through this grief and mm-hmm. doesn't have her family who be, should be the first to go and ask yeah. her. Maybe they just don't know, right? Mm-hmm. If they haven't faced that kind of grief, uh, they just don't know what to say. And I know what it's like to be on the other end where you're like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't mm-hmm. want to make things worse than they already are. And we've all said dumb things, right? To a person that's going through some sort of a suffering and we say something and we're like, oh, I don't know if that went through properly, right? And that might hinder us from saying things again. And so that's not an excuse, but if you are the one that needs more affirmation or needs to talk about it, go ahead and tell them. Don't just assume that Mm. they know what you need. Sometimes we need to ask as much as we wish we weren't the ones asking, I think if we don't, they don't actually know what we need many times, right? Some people are really good at knowing and others just aren't. So teach them. And then I would also say, tell your mom how she did well. Mm. Don't just wait until her funeral, right? Like I've kind of brought that up a couple of times because I think when there is a funeral, there is all these acclamations that are made about how great of a person this uh, mother or father or sister or brother was. And I think sometimes that person didn't actually hear it while they were still living. Yeah. And that that's, that's sad, it's a tragedy, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, 
yeah, there might be a lot of negatives, but also tell them if they were to die and you were to do their funeral, what would you say? Mm. Uh, and if you have some good things to say, then say it now. That would be my encouragement. Mm. And I'm, you know, speaking to myself here yeah. too. I need to get better at these things myself. Yeah. Thanks. So getting getting back to that that original verse here, verse 28 29, when we read the whole verse, um, could this lead to an idolatrous, idolatrous desire to be the one to get the praise? And maybe what's the difference between being willing to receive praise rather than actually seeking it out? Good question. And I would imagine most moms, especially in the beginning, crave that kind of affirmation. I know I did. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm only speaking for myself. And some of that was insecurity. And mm-hmm. at the same time, I have to admit, it's idolatrous, right? Like mm-hmm. wanting that affirmation, mm-hmm. that praise for myself. And because you don't know, like, I'm doing all this. Does anybody notice? Am I doing a good job? How can I th- do things differently? Or are my kids going to turn out? So there's all sorts of things that go through in your mind. But part of it is just just sin. It's pride. Yeah. Wanting to be praised and wanting others to say, what a great mom you are. What a great job you're doing. How smart you are and how well behaved your kids are and how you're doing it better than all the other moms. And I think that's that's the key, right? Mm. Along with feminism, like feminism is always, they say it's about equality, but it's about being the best, Mm -hmm. rising to the top. Mm -hmm. And there is that desire in each of us that we need to learn to replace with idolizing ourselves to worshiping God. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes with maturity and understanding that everything that has been entrusted to us is a stewardship. Mm -hmm. And I know we've talked about stewardship before on this podcast because it understanding stewardship really is valuable in being able to do things with excellence without idolizing it and and knowing that we're doing it for God's glory, not our own. You see, God has entrusted these children to us. And so, of course, we have to take this seriously. We want to do it with excellence. We want to do it in a way that honors him. But we also have to recognize that we can't do any of that without the grace of God in our lives, without his wisdom and his strength and his work. If it wasn't for him, we would all fail at being moms. And and so giving him the glory and being willing to say, you know, I, I do this and I'm able to do this by the strength that God provides, by the wisdom that he gives me in his word, by the fact that he's transformed my life. And as we get the praise, we give it back to God and we're just humble mm-hmm. and thankful that he has been gracious enough to give us what we need for that very moment and for those different seasons in our life. And so, yeah, if there is that unhealthy craving in your life, I think you need to, we need to repent of that and we need to continue to remind ourselves, this is not about me and I'm going to keep doing this even if my kids reject me or if my kids get upset with me. And that comes into play with it when it comes to discipline, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we, we are afraid to discipline because we don't want our kids getting upset with us or uh, blaming us or rejecting us. And if that's the case, we're living in fear. So if we're living in fear of either discipline or um, 
you know, might be something else. Uh, I can't think uh, off the top of my head here what it could be. But if there's any fear in your life, if you catch that, it's probably symptomatic of being idolatrous of praise and acceptance rather than doing it for the glory of God. So then get to the root of it. Like, why am I afraid? What am I actually afraid of here? And then give that to God and, and, mm. and ask him to give you the wisdom and the courage to deal with it in an appropriate manner. And then you can give him the glory because you know that it wasn't of you that in yourself, in your flesh, you would have actually lived out fearfully, but because of Christ, you are living out faithfully. And uh, so, yeah, I think being aware of that and always being willing to discern why am I doing what I do? Am I doing it for to be idolized or am I doing it so that God will be glorified? And I think maybe sometimes that's why parents, it, it becomes all about sports or all mm. about education because if their kids have the best grades yeah. in school, then that makes them look like a good mm, parent. Mm-hmm. Or if they're the best athlete on the field, wow, it's because I've worked them so hard. And it's all about us. Like we can so easily be selfish. Like it, 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 it's so saddening to think that even when it comes to our kids, we can make it about ourselves rather mm-hmm. than for God and for our kids, right? Mm. Love mm-hmm. the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. So as we're raising our kids, first and foremost, let's do it for the glory of God and because we love our kids, not because we love ourselves, yeah. right? Yeah. Wanting God's best for them, mm. not not their best mm. or not our best mm-hmm. either. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Um, there, There's a lot here to think about and to put into practice. And I, I love the concept of legacy, and hopefully we can revisit this another time. Um, so thank you, Susie, for sharing the responses of your children and for helping us to think through this verse in a new way. And we're so glad that you joined us today. And please listen again as we continue to rebuild biblical womanhood from the foundation up. <laughs> <laughs>